Hey, I'm so glad to be here today and so excited because we're with Michael Graham, uh, the co-author of the book, The Great Dechurching. It's a great, great book. Uh, it came out about, what is it, about a month and a half, two months ago, and yep. it's been on every pastor's bookshelf, um, and I got it, read it through from beginning to end, and had so many questions, and um, um, and we're going to spend a little bit of time with uh, Michael Graham. Michael Graham is the programming director for the Keller Center for Cultural Apologetics. He is also the executive producer of As in Heaven. He is just a smart guy uh, beyond that. And uh, and I'm also with Kevin Yee, um, partner in crime with, at Sola. He's also with Rooted. Um, Michael, it's so good to be with you today. It's good to be with you as well. Yeah. Hey, uh, I know you've been in probably about 120 interviews. I think that's what you said. And so uh, we're going to try not to go over a lot of the questions that you've you've been answering dozens and dozens of times, but rather try to get um, at this from an angle that is of particular interest to Kevin and me and our audience. And our audience uh, uh, is the Asian American church or Asian American pastors. And that's a segment that we're most interested in so if um you know if you, you would um humor us with that of the seven thousand and of the three thousand what percentage if you know the answer were asian americans it's a great question i don't know off the top of my head and if anybody is listening to this and um wants to know like in 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 having a lot more grant see i've had i've had so many conversations just like this one um mm -hmm. with various um typically you know west coast centric you know conversations with um uh asian american uh pastors and asian american church communities that want to know more information about what is going on uh among asian american dechurching um if you're listening to this and you either you have means or you have friends who have significant means and you want to know a lot more about this subject, I would like to do a fourth phase in this study. I'll need about 50 to $75,000 to do it justice. But um, the I, I have a lot of questions about what's going and a lot of curiosity, frankly, and mm -hmm. it, it, there's no doubt in my mind that the demand is there for people who want actionable answers for what's going on among Asian American dechurching, because Asian American dechurching is is worse than any other ethnicity. Okay, mm -hmm. um, it, the dechurching that's going on there is twice the rate of uh, of those who are Hispanic and Latino and um, I think feel like 40 or 50% faster than those who are, um, uh, Anglo or, or, or African-American. And so, um, here's the challenge that I have. I can't say too much about what's going on among Asian American dechurching because of the statistical significance of sample sizes. Right. Right. Okay. The standard deviations that I have, uh, with, of, of the uh, Asian American subset of the database I can't say too much be, with 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 statistical significance besides the fact that Asian Americans tend to be dechurching, you know, at yeah. at kind of alarming rates. Now, what I want to know more about is what's going on in first generation, second generation, and third generation immigrants. I want to know that in any, you know, Asian American, Latino, Hispanic, and um, immigration that's occurring from other places as well. Um, I, and I, I want to know more about um, childhood, a, uh, the abuse scores, the ACE scores, um, 
there's a couple other areas. Um, I, I have a list of about 20 areas that I think, um, I think that there's more to be explored on that would be pastorally and missionally actionable. Um, I mean, that's the whole point of all this stuff is you get information so that you can make better decisions um, in terms of philosophy of ministry, um, contextualization, um, and uh, just uh, cultural yeah. engagement. Well, can, can I ask, Mike, Michael, what made you say the first statement to begin with, that they're de-churching twice the rate or 40% or, or, or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, if, off the top of my head. I feel like it was I don't know, thirty-seven, thirty-eight, or thirty-nine percent um, of uh, of Asian Americans had dechurched, and uh, I think it's like seventeen or eighteen percent among Hispanic and Latino, and uh, in the high twenties or around thirty percent mm, for okay. um, African American and um, white folks. So, uh, mm. but. I, but I don't what I what I don't what I'm not sure about because of the sample sizes is, you know, is some of this because of, you know, the kind of um, the departure of, you know, say, second or third generation Asian Americans departing from, say, a non-Christian, um, you know, religion, you know, maybe they're leaving Shinto or Buddhism or, um, you know, a, a different tradition like that, or is it more out of Christianity? I mean, we do know what, you know, if, if we do know the, if people were leaving those things, what I just don't have is a sample size that's large enough to be able to say, you know, it's just, I'm not comfortable with the standard deviations right. making significant pronouncements of, oh, like, here's what's happening. You know, it, you know, yeah. uh, Asian American dechurching is happening faster, you know, uh, not because of, you know, Christianity, but because, you know, these right. other traditions or whatever. I don't, I just don't know. And so I'm cautious, you know, I, okay. I, I'm a math science and, person, so is Ryan. Right. And so I wish you, I could say more. I just don't know. You can't look at um, um, Pew Research, the, the I, you know, you might want to look at the link and... Uh, and yeah, was, yeah, oh, I, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, the... Yeah, the uh, religion among Asian Americans. Yeah, right. That might be yep. something to look at. I, I was talking to uh, sociologist Jerry Park from Baylor University, and and they do um, not not they, but um, he's involved with the uh, research. I believe it's Hartford Institute that they do it uh, every two years or something. Um, I was talking to him. He says that Asians are typically underrepresented, undersampled whenever these types of research are done. Uh, several reasons they um, Asians um, well the language barrier is always an issue mm -hmm. and so you might get you know if you're getting like x number of uh, Asian Americans who've de-churched a part of that is uh, you're not um, it's not being balanced out by uh, those who can't speak English who are right. still remaining in the church and right. the English speakers may be de-churching a little faster because they're leaving the immigrant church and they haven't uh, gone to that phase of life where they're coming back to the church. Um, and he also said, and I, I agree with him anecdotally, that Asian Americans typically don't like to express themselves in surveys. Um, <laughs> Correct. And so, uh, Kevin, what what is your thought on on some of these things? Well, I mean, yeah, this is... This has always been one of the things whenever there's a book written like this or there's surveys done. The question we always have is, how did you survey the first generation? <laughs> um, because that's, you know, traditionally been, been an issue. Um, the Pew Research study actually, I think, lines up, Michael, with some of the research that you guys have seen, because they said 32% or 34% of Asian Americans are affiliated with Christianity in 2022. 
2023 versus what it was. It was 42% in 2012. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and so those numbers seem like they're, they're pretty, they're pretty accurate. So I appreciate the fact that you're, you know, you're, you're humble enough to say that, you know, you don't have all the data yet. And so the answer right now is I don't know. Um, but at the same time, I do think that there's a combination of the stuff that's going on generationally that we have to take a look at that I think is huge and, and key to sort of understanding what's happening in the Asian American church. But at the same time, I also think that um, we have enough of the data to suggest that there's definitely something that we need to look into. Um, so I'm pretty concerned about these numbers. You know, I'm, I'm pastoring right now that sort of uh, college to young adult age group, uh, the group that traditionally is the one that's de-churching faster than anybody else. Correct. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I know that, you know, in your book, you, you mentioned a, a ton of things that um, pastors need to be concerned about, that pastors need to be thinking about with regards to this group. Um, but I'm wondering what you have to say to, you know, uh, those of us that are in the thick of this kind of ministry where we are dealing with um, students, uh, families, and uh, young adults who are mobile, um, very, very mobile. I think that's probably the hardest part of being a pastor right now is the fact that with that particular age group, they're so quick to get another job in another location or uh, go mobile and, or, you know, work remote and, you know, travel here and travel there. Um, and even for the ones that are in town, you know, they love their travel, right? They love you know, uh, taking a break on a weekend. And so their attendance is down. And I'm afraid looking at all the data that like, oh, is this the stuff that makes people, that makes it so easy for people to just kind of fall out of church. And so, yeah. All right. So there's, there's three things I want to talk about there. Students, parents, and then the reality of like ministering in an upwardly mobile context where people move in, up and out. Um, let me start with in, up and out. Okay, so if you're in a, you know, a place where there's a lot of education, or if you're in a tier two or tier one city, or even tier three, you know, there's a lot of in up and out, you know, people move in, they move up, they move out. Um, that's not the only path. But, you know, that's the, that's one of the larger migratory patterns, you know, that we can see in the United States, and certainly, you know, in contexts like, like both of yours, and, you know, in LA and Orange County, in, in Southern California. So, um, it's definitely in a living in, there's a pastor in DC um, who says that he, he feels like, um, how did he call it? He feel, his job is to hug the parade. <laughs> in other words, there's huh. a parade of people, you know, it's almost like they're not even like stopping, you know, in, you know, mm -hmm. they're at a, you know, at their church for two to four years. And it's like, it's almost like the, the 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 parade is moving, but he's standing in the middle of the parade. And the job of you know the job of us as pastors is to hug the parade as it's kind of walking past us. And so, the reality is is the market forces and everything else that can that kind of causes that phenomenon. Those are things that we cannot control. And so we have to live with and adjust contextually to those realities. We can bemoan them all that we want, but there's nothing that we can do about that tide. And so we have to choose to invest in people that we know will not eventually become pillars in our church. That's just the reality. And yeah. if, but if I do that and you do that, you know, and Steve does that, 
and we all still we all choose to hug the parade what then happens is that when you know steve's sending me somebody to me and i'm sending somebody to kevin we all it's all as if we invested in somebody who was going to be a pillar and people come to you know keep people come to you in a in much better place in terms of you know their their you know their whole person and the whole man in terms of you know the gospel of the kingdom and so there has to be a level of embracing the stewardship of we're going to hug the parade and we're going to choose to make investments in people that we know that we're only going to be here for two to four years and we're going to do it because we we're doing kingdom work and we want to bless the other people and the other pastors and shepherds you know to where they're going next that's the first thing so oh here's here's one other thing on in up and out okay um when somebody is moving it is a pastoral emergency whether it's on the departures or arrivals side of a move okay so let's talk about departures first okay when somebody is moving from your 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 community to a new community every pastor needs to have a system or process in place where they help that person with the due diligence that they need to do to get connected to a healthy local church in the new community now you got to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's moving move is a four-letter word and you got to do all sorts of stuff you got to pack up everything you know and you know do all that you got to unpack it you know another thing you got to get all the new doctors and dentists and insurance and uh all the you know dentists and cpas and all that stuff and all the stuff with schools and um you know and buy you know potentially even the, the buying and selling of properties and all that stuff I mean, we have to be empathetic to the people who who are moving. There's a lot that happens in all of that. Now, you know, as pastors, you know, we are right, um, both biblically and in terms of our role to say, hey, actually, the most important thing, you know, here for you is that you make sure that you find, you know, a healthy gospel, you know, a gospel centered church where you're going. But, you know, we have to remember all the other stuff that's there. And man, what a loving thing to do. Now, maybe you're listening to this and you aren't even clergy. Well, great. You have even more time, probably, potentially on your hands. And if somebody, you know, that you love and you care about in your church is moving, well, guess what? I want you to do something. Uh, you know, you, you, you know where the new community that they're moving to. And what you can do is you can do more than just websites. Okay. You know, I want you to help that person you know, start with the websites, start with the various church search engines with, you know, the Gospel Coalition, Nine Marks, or, what you know, uh, uh, the various denominations that, you know, your tradition is, and you can start there, you know, and you can go on those different websites and um, of, of the churches in that area, and, you know, uh, hopefully local and proximate, but then I want you to do, go a step further, you know, if you're that person's friend, I want you to start listening to some sermons, and maybe you can even uh, shoot an email or two, to some of the different pastors in this church. Hey, I've read your whole website. I listened to a couple of sermons. Can you tell me a little bit more, you know, about just kind of that something that I wouldn't be able to find, you know, on your website that, you know, things that are important to, to you and, and, and the leadership there. And then what you can do is that you can provide a digest of what you learned and you can share that with, with your friend, you know, who's moving. That's something that the church body can do. And this is something that we want to inspire people to do, you know, in this, you know, in this de-churching thing. So that's the in, up and out, hugging the parade, moving. 
Um, oh, arrivals. Okay. Look, if you're listening to this and somebody moves into your apartment complex or your neighborhood, you know what? Just go up and introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Mike. Looks like you're new to the neighborhood. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I'm going to give you my, my cell phone number and feel free to text me, you know, if you need uh, some recommendations for a good pediatrician, a good doctor, a good dentist, you know, yeah, this, that, or whatever. Um, do you, is there anything, you know, here and you're moving that you're like, you just, you know, you can't find it in a box that I can help you with, you know, um, some tools or, you know, anything of that sort. And then, um, you know, sometimes those conversations might progress a little bit. You might find out, you know, something about them and maybe there ends up being a, you know, an opportunity there, you know, somebody reveals something about themselves like, hey, I just want to tell you, I love my local church. You know, I go to such and such church. I love it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you probably already done some research and, you know, maybe you've already, you know, got a place that you're kind of looking at. But if not, would love to invite you, you know, to come here this Sunday. And, um, you know, if you're game, um, uh, love to, you know, grab lunch or whatever after. Mm -hmm. So moving is an emergency pastorally. Um, it's the okay. number one reason why people do church and we got to help people better um, in kind of the handshake between churches. Yeah. You know, a long time ago, everybody kind of stayed within their own denomination and most denominations had, you know, membership transfer processes or whatever. But the religious marketplace is such that movement, you know, movement is a lot more fluid kind of between traditions and um, denominationalism is not as um, as prevalent as what it was before. And so I think a lot of people are kind of falling through the cracks in some of these processes. Right. So, so the second thing. No, go okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I want to hit uh, Kevin's questions on uh, students and, and parents. So what I want to say to parents, um, if you're listening to this and you know, you're a mom or you're a dad, um, the way that parents engage their children um, played a role of a, in about 40% of them in terms of de-churching. Mm. And so, and I don't think that the desires that the children who de-churched um, had of their parents were bad. The top two things that they said that their parents could have done differently that would have um, helped them not de-church were, were two mm -hmm. things. It was um, you basically, they wish that their parents embodied the fruit of the spirit more Mm -hmm. And they wish that their parents um, basically had better active listening and empathy. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you're a parent and let's say there's significant friction between you and, you know, either an adult child or, or even a non-adult child on these kinds of things, I want to give you um, some freedom. And here's what I want to say. Let's say there's significant disagreement between the two of you, either on religious things or political things or cultural things or sexual things. Well, um, there's ways that you can, um, there's a difference between validating emotions and affirming ideologies, mm -hmm. okay? So let's say somebody has, you know, a child has had some pretty negative experiences and maybe some negative experiences that the parent did not also have. Well, there, and maybe those things have influenced the ways in which there are differences and disagreements between parent and child. There's a difference between um, validating, oh my gosh, you know, like, you know, son or daughter, like, I'm so sorry, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that the way I've, I've engaged you on this subject has been, you know, has been the best. And I was thinking about, 
just some of your experiences. And that must be really, really hard. And I'm just, I just wanted to tell you, I'm really sorry about, you know, those experiences. That's different than having a conversation, you know, with your son or daughter and maybe where there's, you know, big gaps, you know, that are there and saying, oh, like, hey, here's this problematic idea or set of ideas and like, oh, I affirm or I agree, you know, like th this whole thing. So um, just kind of knowing the difference between um, and I think just th there has to be a posture between adult and child of um, in the book, we call it quiet, calm curiosity. And so, you know, and obviously, you know, as, as the, the parental relationship is something that is constantly evolving over time. So we just have to know the difference of like, well, what season and what phase of life am I in? You know, what's the ceiling on what, you know, it takes two people to be in a relationship. So you can only be in as deep of a relationship as the person who wants less relationship is willing to do. So you have to, you know, we have to exercise relation, relational wisdom in terms of how we navigate, you know, the parent-child relationship. But I think a posture of quiet, calm curiosity, the kind of posture that, um, say, uh, a licensed mental health counselor has is, is something that can go a long way in the parent-child relationship. And... Um, and that can be hard because, you know, let's say you're a parent and you have really strong thoughts about like what's good or not good, you know, for a child, what's healthy and what's unhealthy. And sometimes you just have to sit in that tension and, um, and be, be willing to ask questions and just listen and maybe not give, you know, input on, you know, on everything that you, that you want to be, you know, you want to give input on. Sometimes your kids just, you know, sometimes people just need to be heard and, you know, in, in hearing that, um, I just, I think in almost all instances, it's, it's just really important that we maintain the relationship and we, we try to grow towards that other person in terms of relational intimacy. So I think anything that, you know, if there's strain in those things, anything that you can get your hands on, that's going to help you in terms of you know, quiet, calm, curiosity, relational wisdom, um, growing in, you know, God awareness, self-awareness, others awareness, awareness how, of how other people are experiencing you, cultural awareness and emotional awareness, anything that you can learn in those things is going to help in, in, in those relational, relational dynamics. I think it's also helpful for parents, um, particularly parents of adult children. It's just, you know, embrace the village, you know, don't be insecure if, um, you know, some other adult in your child's life, you, you told them the, the same thing that some other adult in mm -hmm. that, you know, in your child's life said, and it's like, they treated your words like, you know, you know, like they were worthless and they're like treated the other person's word as, as if they were gold. Don't, don't be insecure about that. Yeah. You know, just, just be, you know, celebrate the fact that there's, there's wisdom that's being embraced and don't, don't be insecure about the source. Yeah. And then with respect to um, students, um, student ministry is really, really, really important. We knew that it was important before this. We, we feel even more convinced that, it, um, that it's really important. I think every local church, you know, if you go to like your, you know, whatever your, whatever state you're in, um, they all have academic standards in terms of, okay, you know, somebody who finishes second grade, they need to, they need to know this about math and this about history and this about this and whatever. I think it's good for us um, for local churches, particularly if you are of a medium size or higher and you have enough staff to do this, 
um, it's good to kind of develop benchmarks of maybe not year by year, but just kind of um, three year age blocks of where do we want to see our people to be at um, in terms of uh, head, heart and hands. So our head is obviously our thinking and that's doctrine, theology, um, the life of the mind. And then the heart is um, the, the religious affections um, are the, the emotional ways that we relate to, um, you know, the gospel of the kingdom. And then the hands being um, our actions in real life, in community with other people, um, whether that's inside the body of Christ or in, you know, in the, in the communities where we, you know, kind of live, work and play and everything up to, and including things like, you know, mercy and justice. So when, when we, it won't be enough, you know, the the questions that I get largely from young people aren't necessarily like, is Jesus true? They want to know, is Jesus good or is he beautiful? And those are the questions, you know, and those are more heart questions and hand questions than, than head questions. It's not that the head is, is unimportant. Those things still need to be there. And those things need to all be in balance and intention with each other. However, um, people, it won't be just enough to use the kind of methods of the 20th century apologetics, which were largely centered around, you know, is Jesus and the, and the gospel true? Those things still have to be in the mix. Okay. But we, People need to know that Jesus is good for the world. He is good for you. His kingdom is good. And actually, the, all of the things that people want and all these movements towards, you know, utopia and justice and all of these kinds of things, those are all move. The, the aim, what people are actually longing for is the kingdom of God. It's just they're longing for the kingdom of God without the king. And so... Um, we got to we got to help people understand that you know some of those broader cultural movements that people are looking for. Well, they're looking for the right. kingdom the kingdom without the king. Well, you you can't have the kingdom without the king. So right. if you want if you want that, we got to know the king. And so with students, there's a lot there that's left to be desired. I think from the last you know thirty or fifty years of evangelicalism, of really telling a better story. Yeah. So. So, you know, and, uh, yeah, and thank you. And, and Kevin, I mean, that, that's right up your alley with Rooted yep. and all the, the ministries that you've been engaged in. It's so helpful. I uh, love what you said. And you're actually, you, you've actually answered questions that, um, the questions that I was going to ask, <laughs> what do we do when, when um, Asian Americans, young Asian Americans uh, transition to college or, you know, post-college, et cetera, you mentioned three things. Um, uh, create a, a, a network of churches or lists that we can get out, research them, etc. Et as parents, uh, what we need to do, um, and as churches, how we need to prepare, etc. Um, going back to what something Kevin kind of mentioned uh, indirectly is, Kevin, you're working with youth and young adults, right? Uh, people who are highly mobile, and you, in your book, said the, the, those between the ages of 13 and 30, I believe, are the, some of the most uh, de-churching uh, groups of people. Now, add to that Asian American, the Asian American dynamic, where there a lot of them are growing up in a church that's an immigrant church of a different language. Yep. And so they're compelled to move on because they don't speak the language of their parents, you know, the immigrant language. And uh, also... Asian Americans are one of the most uh, ambitious group in in terms of college. Seventy percent, uh, you know, go to college, 
highest of any racial group. And so there's a greater likelihood that the Asian American will go away for college and they will leave the immigrant church. Uh, and, and, and so when they're there, um, so they're gonna make several moves where the non-Asian Americans may only make like one or two moves. And so it's especially incumbent upon us uh, uh, to, to figure some of that out. And so this de-churching phenomenon is um, more important and compelling for us. Um, what is, um, yeah, something else that you mentioned in your book, which I found really helpful is belonging. Uh, you said there were three components, uh, believing, behaving, but belonging is where sometimes we fall short, right? For Asian Americans, and um, when our college students go to their university or go to a major city and they, you know, try to find a church, they've already been uh, uprooted from the church of their parents and grandparents if they had one. So they've they're they're less tethered to their faith tradition to begin with. Uh, and and they're at a new city, they're gonna try to check out a Tim Keller church or something like that. What typically we find for Asian Americans is that it takes them longer to get plugged in, if ever. So uh, if it's a majority culture church or a multicultural church, yep. they're a lot more hesitant to to belong. Um what is your finding there in terms of Asian Americans or people of color, or do they tend to belong better when they're of uh, of, of similar, you know, um, ethos? This is a very important and very complex question, and I'm not sure that there are good answers, but let me try. Um, the first thing I would say um, is just and this is broadly not just this is not just asian americans when, when you're sending somebody off to university ideally you want to see both a campus ministry and a local church at the same time okay and maybe between those two things with the you know maybe there's something there on a campus ministry side of things where the belonging is maybe an easier step in than maybe a majority, you know, something that's more of a majority culture, you know, Tim Keller type church, um, where you can have, you know, oh, you know, I'm second generation Korean American, you know, here's a, you know, here's a student union where it's like, okay, I can find 15 other, you know, or 30 other Korean Americans, you know, that had a Presbyterian background or whatever. And, you know, th there can be some stuff that's there that while it isn't the local church, that's a parachurch ministry, but um, it can help fill in the gap uh, or, or satisfy some of those needs so that there isn't like a total drop off, you know, that's there, even if like, even if the church is like, maybe not a bridge too far, but there's, there's more cultural distance there that's ideal. Um, I mean, look, I'm, I'm second generation American. My family came here in 1946 and um from you know from canada but it's like nobody knows that you know i haven't you know that i have only been here you know for uh for two generations um but i feel the tension with the united i feel a lot of tension with the united states i feel a lot of tension with majority culture you know my children are both african-american and i spent a lot of um I, you know i cut my teeth um ministry-wise um abroad with campus crusade for christ in europe and there's a lot of things about america that don't necessarily you know, that aren't really my favorite. 
Um, I'm grateful for America. America has been very good, very been very good to me and my family um, in terms of, you know, the family of origin that I come to, but it hasn't necessarily been the case. America has failed in many ways, um, you know, my children. So, um, so I have complex thoughts, you know, about these, you know, these things too, of like, I don't, I don't always feel, you know, even in, even in majority culture churches, I feel a lot of tension, you know, there, um, as well. It's just that the, the issues of tension are, are not necessarily the same, you know, in, in, you know, uh, in an Asian American, um, context as well. So I, I think that, um, this is a problem. Um, and, and, and you just kind of bringing it up. Um, and I don't really, you know, apart from, you know, trying to help, help, you know, your college students who are moving on find a, a, a gospel centered church that will have some categories for the kinds of experiences that, um, you know, kind of some of the third culture things that, um, those students are walking into. I mean, I think that's part of the due diligence of you as a, cause like you can't expect your college students to have the maturity to know, Oh, like I need to go to a church that's going to have categories for me as a, you know, as a third culture, you know, person here in America. And it's going to, you know, is going to go the extra mile, you know, at kind of making me, you know, belong in their church community. I think the other piece to that due diligence is seeing what's there um, from a campus ministry side of things. And I just don't feel comfortable, you know, really when, when anyone's going off to university, I want to have, I, I make dials to the campus minute, you know, to the campus ministry staff who are there. And I actually connect those people with those campus ministries before they're even, you know, moving in on campus so that um, I feel like that there's a, a very clean handoff that's taking place. And I also, you know, we always, we always give lists of here's three churches, you know, in your, in your new university city that, that we recommend. Um, and here's the email addresses and, or, you know, phones for, you know, the, for at least a pastor on each of those, um, staffs. So that's what we do. Um, but what you're talking about though, is an additional layer and additional dynamic. There's greater risk here, um, with this than, you know, than what we yeah. normally see yeah i mean we're almost at the top of the hour uh, you know we can keep talking but um and 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 there's even further layer when uh they get married they have kids and their kids reach like kindergarten and they're thinking okay we need to be in a, a not in an urban setting but in a suburban setting where there's good public school district um and um, when they when they visit a majority culture church as a family, how are they received as a family? Can they develop long term friendships? And uh, the stickiness is just different. Um, that's what we often find. Um, find. Um, hey, we're almost at the top of the. Any last word, Kevin? Yeah, you know, I'm actually really curious because this was um, one of the questions, especially that you had prepared uh, with regards to the college education part. So, uh, Michael, one of the things that you guys discovered was that college education actually, uh, one of the findings was that, you know, going to college doesn't necessarily mean actually that you're more likely to leave the church. It's actually that you're more likely to stick around because you've been inoculated to some degree. Uh, and with the high, uh, ed, you know, college education rate of Asian Americans, I'm actually wondering then, is it with Asian Americans that are 
tending to to leave even with the higher you know um, college education part of it that it's not really about as you were talking about earlier the you know the apologetics pieces and those kinds of things but if it really is about belonging and if it really is about um, taking into consideration the 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 lack of empathy maybe that they've had at home some of those things remind me more of like the differences between first and second gen like yes. that conversation seems like it's a far more it's a much larger issue than just the, some of the other things that uh, I think Christ, uh, Christian leaders have been talking about. And so with that, I'm wondering if those are some of the answers or some, those are some of the things that you guys have heard um, that would be helpful in this conversation. And maybe that's a bigger part of the research that needs to be done. Yeah. So among people who left evangelical churches, if you got a graduate degree, only 3% of the evangelicals with graduate degrees de-churched. 11 yeah, we're all doctors and lawyers, yeah. by the way. So yeah, and the, <laughs> so the um, but I, you've already hit the nail on the head, Kevin. I mean, I, I can't prove this, you know, scientifically, but I mean, both qualitatively, pastorally, from my observation and experience, I think what's going on there is it is a belonging issue, you know, and the the Asian American dechurching that might occur from highly educated, you know, Asian Americans, it's probably a mixture of, you know, the rhythms and habits getting out of whack from all of the various moves, combined with um, some of the some of the challenges of, you know, the first versus second generation, combined with um, Asian American friction, with you know, majority, majority white culture. Um, you put all of those, you know, each one of those things is going to compound on, on the other. And so I think that there's just a lot of, it's a highway with a lot of off ramps on it. And, you know, uh, we shouldn't be surprised when one of those, you know, even unintentionally gets taken. Yeah. And, and it's a, a great way to end. And Kevin, that's a, um, that's homework for you uh, in the work that you do <laughs> with Rooted, as well as the Asian American Youth Workers uh, Conference that you guys are going to be putting on um, 2025, I believe. Mm -hmm. It's uh, work for us for the Asian American Leadership Conference that we're you know you know working on for next year. Um, uh, you know, and a greater dialogue uh, for between the Asian American Church and 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 and. Some of the work that you're doing, Michael, with TGC and and all, um, you know, we're we all have the same goal. Uh, we want to make disciples of all the nations. That's right. And we we need to figure out how we're going to do that. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for the time you've given to us. Um, your work. I don't know if you had intended uh, to be uh, so important, but I know that now when I'm talking to uh, church leaders, we often talk about the great de-churching as the rise, as well as the rise of the nuns. We're kind of talking about it, the flip side of the same coin. Yep. And so thank you for putting language um, to that and putting categories and giving us hope for all of that. All right. Yeah. And um, hopefully we'll, uh, uh, our paths will cross again. All right. Well, good. I, one thing I just want to leave with everybody who's listening to this, um, you know, I forgot to mention this before, over half the people who have left, you know, churches and houses of worship in this country, they're willing to return today. So, and that was, that was surprising to me. And the fact that it really looks like most of the people who you have a conversation with about these kinds of things, 
it's not going to end the the relationship. So what I want to tell you, if you're listening to this, take relational risk. Mm -hmm. Take relational risk. The got you know the, the advance of the gospel requires relational risk. You got to take it. Trust me. See what God does. All right. Thank you.